0: Please just take a moment and look at that slide while I'm getting everything ready. Good morning and welcome to this assembly. We want everyone here to plan for and pray for our meeting that begins here Friday night at 7.30. Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday. Bubba Garner. Bubba has been here several times over the past 15 years or so. We've never been disappointed. We've always been fed from the Word of God. We've been encouraged. We've been admonished. And all of that has individual, personal value for every person who attends. So please plan for this for next weekend and pray and invite people to come along with you to hear Bubba Garner deliver God's Word next weekend starting Friday night. Today, I want to read a series of passages that share a common theme. And I believe I will not have to announce that theme before or during the reading of the text. I believe you will discover that theme as soon as I start reading, and then after the reading, some things for each of us to consider based on what we've read in God's Word. Matthew 18 and verse 20, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. I want to read again what you heard earlier in Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching... And the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all As any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Also in the book of Acts, in chapter 20, and verse 7, on the first day of the week, when we gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. 1 Corinthians 11, and verse 18, when you come together as a church. And the same statement is made in verse 20. And then perhaps more familiar, in Hebrews chapter 10, I'm beginning at verse 23 and reading down through verse 29. "'Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful.'" And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace. This morning, we're not going to talk about absolutely everything in each passage you've heard. We're not going to talk about every element or component of what we've read in Hebrews 10, 23 to 29. But from these statements written in God's Word, two things are very clear. That will be our focus initially in our time together. Number one, once people became Christians, they were together. They formed local churches. When they were baptized, wasn't the last time they saw each other. They didn't want to be isolated. And they were instructed not to be Christians... Formed local churches. All through the New Testament you can read about local churches in Corinth and Ephesus in Jerusalem in Philippi in all those different places mentioned over and over again Christians formed local churches and there were regular assemblies. So they knew each other. They appointed elders. They worked together. There were regular worship assemblies. These two things, my friends, are not in dispute. I'm not aware of any Bible student or any preacher or member of any local church who debates or who denies these two simple facts. Christians, formed local churches... They assembled together. The passage I read in Hebrews makes it clear, negligence in assembling was wrong. And in that Hebrew context, the additional statement is made against sinning deliberately leading to a fearful expectation of judgment. I have one question. Do you think this is serious? Assembling together with Christians. Do you think this is serious? You did not hear any doctrinal interpretive spin that I put on the passages I read. I've not enforced upon you some tradition of man. We're just talking about what the scripture says, folks about Christians being together in local churches and assembling. And my question is, do you think this is serious? Before I go any further with this, I acknowledge inability due to frailty, sickness, even occasional conflict with work and travel. I leave those matters to your good judgment and prayer. My question at the present time is, do you think this is serious? Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Do you think that's serious? All right. I think I see your answer. You see that this is serious. That takes me to the next part of our study. If this is serious, and if you see that seriousness, here's what I want to bring up. The common practice of attending an assembly only once in a while. What about that? What do the scriptures say that would pertain to that practice of attending assemblies Only once in a while. If you go to church, as we say, once in a while, what can be said about that? You lose consistency and discipline. As a Christian, I am to live out my faith with consistency. Not occasionally. Mark down 1 Corinthians 15:58 and mark down the phrase always abounding in the work of the Lord. It doesn't say occasionally and when it is convenient getting involved in the work of the Lord. It says always abounding in the work of the Lord. Here's a quiz for you. Do you pray consistently? And do you think that's important? Do you read your Bible consistently, regularly, and do you think that's important? Is that a good daily discipline? Do you serve people consistently, provide for them help you're able to provide that they need? Do you do that consistently, and is that important? Do you resist temptation consistently? Do you take the Lord's Supper consistently? And do you think that's important? You see my point. The key to good spiritual growth and relationship with God and holding to the joy and hope of being a Christian is discipline, consistency, that you are able to do what God would have you to do, not occasionally or when you feel like it, but day after day after day. Consistency is crucial to our response to God. If you do one thing that God has said inconsistently, it is likely other duties will soon be treated the same way. I'm going to repeat that. If you do one thing God has said you ought to do inconsistently, it is likely other duties will be treated the same way. Consistent attendance to the best of your ability should be desired, has great value for your stability as a Christian, and it certainly pleases the Lord. Consistency in one area of duty promotes and motivates consistency in every area of duty. If I'm wrong about that, stop me before I go home. If you just go to church once in a while, you discourage brothers and sisters in Christ. I will not ever affirm that the more we have in the building, the greater the spiritual value. We're not talking about numbers. But I want you to listen again to 23 to 25 in Hebrews 10. Listen to a part of it that I shall emphasize as I make this point. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some." Notice those two things that are connected. Part of this is stirring one another up to love and good works. I didn't add that. It is there on the page. So let's apply that in a very bold way. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are here consistently to worship God in spirit and in truth. And you're at home. perfectly healthy you have transportation you know the way you just didn't go and you're relaxing you're watching television you're asleep have you stirred up your brothers and sisters to love and good works as it is written on this page I think that's a reasonable question isn't it given what the passage says I know of churches composed of four or five members located in very isolated places. They need each other just as certainly as churches with hundreds of members. And the need is filled in part by assembling. It says here to provoke one another to love and good works. If you go to church... Just once in a while, you set yourself up to quit. If assembling with Christians is just not that important, and if it becomes less important as time goes on, what do you think is liable to happen? I'm not going to use names right now. But I made a list the other day of 20 people who still live in this community and they didn't attend here consistently and eventually they quit. It's almost predictable. Unless people make a turnaround. And appeals to those people have failed to get them back. We don't want any of you to make that list. If you just go to church once in a while, you fail to honor Christ. Stop and think about. It. Well, here's another quiz. What was Christ willing to do for you? What hardships, what inconveniences did He endure for you? Where was He willing to go for you and for me? Aren't we called upon to follow Him? Is there any doubt that he wants his people to consistently assemble and worship and study his word and encourage one another? If you go to church just once in a while, you lose consistency and discipline. You discourage your brothers and sisters. You set yourself up to just eventually quit. You fail to honor Christ and you set a poor example. We had a visitor here. Once, many years ago, a man and his wife, and they came in here for the very first time. And I introduced myself to them, and they said, a member here invited us to attend. I sometimes will inquire, how did you find us? What brought you here? And the answer was, a member here invited us to attend. And they came in and took a seat. And I noticed they looked around and looked around. And as things started, they looked around some more. And as things continued, they looked around. And they were surprised the member who invited them was not present. Turns out that member was not sick, had a car, knew the way, just didn't come and eventually quit. Now, what kind of example is that? You give an invitation to someone. I know where you ought to go to church. You ought to go down here. And they take up your invitation and you're not there. What kind of example is that? And may I speak to parents? It is imperative that you know what usually happens when there is negligence in your attendance. How is that going to work out in future generations in your family? If you don't attend consistently, your kids probably won't either. They may attend less than you attend. They may not attend or participate in the Lord's work at all. Many parents have regretted their habits. Later, when they see their children not taking anything about the Lord seriously. I have two more quick points, and then I'm going to go back and read one of those passages again. To those who attend faithfully every time the door is open, I want to tell you what I said to the audience last Sunday night. Don't come into the building and start counting. It isn't where your mind ought to be. When you get here, do your best to get your mind on God, worshiping Him, honoring Christ, learning more from the Word that you need in your life, and encouraging the ones who are present. Second, quick, I want to say something you've heard me say before. We don't have an attendance problem here. We don't have an attendance problem here. We have a commitment problem. Inconsistent attendance by people who are able to be here is a symptom. It is not some isolated thing. It is a symptom. It's connected to something. It is a symptom that has a very simple cause. Lack of commitment. I'm calling upon each one here Examine your priorities. Refresh your commitment. You can start tonight at 5 o'clock. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love in good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment And a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. I'll see you tonight at 5. Let's be standing as we sing.